0: What's up, my miners of intelligence and consciousness? I'm Rick Brooks and this is Rick's Mind. Today with me, I have Lauren Fjord, who is a trainer and an ancestral lifestyle coach and a fa- the founder of the Human Wild Co. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's going well, man. Good, good to have you back. And I've been seeing you've been pretty active on the gram. And there's some sort of challenge that's going on for the Human Wild Co. And I, I'm, I want you to share with me what that's about. Because it seems a little intense. I saw you kind of naked jumping into an ice-cold river, and yeah, uh, that it kicked, piqued my interest.
1: It kicked off this morning. Um, yeah, what uh, the gist of it is we're trying to do cold exposure for seven days in a row. Um, today was the first day, so I started uh, my day. We, uh, My wife and I, we woke up uh, to meet some friends down at the river, um, so we walked down there is in thirties outside, really windy, you know, your perfect day for swimming in the river, um, walked down there and then I waited around for my buddy to get there. Then we stripped down, hopped in the river, sat in there for about three minutes and, uh, had a beautiful view looking, uh, down the river on, in the, the, chutes. Yeah. So the, the challenge is just that, um, to get in cold water, whether it's a shower, whether it's something outside, whether you pour ice in your, your bathtub, one of the guys. Uh, drew. I posted in my story, but he uh, bought a bunch of ice, filled up his bathtub full of ice and um, sat in there for three minutes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Dude, dude that's, that's awesome. And, and what are some of the health benefits for the people that don't know of cold exposure?
1: Yeah. So in short, um, there are, are mental benefits, physical benefits and performance benefits from cold exposure. Um, cold is a acts on every organ and system in the body. And so there's like probably too many benefits to really list out, but the, I'm kind of listing a benefit each day. And today I was kind of talking about the benefit, uh, for men in particular, of boosting testosterone. And there have been all sorts of studies and different ways of kind of quantifying this, but, um, Cold exposure, cold exposure and repeated cold exposure kind of um, day-to-day, week-to-week and throughout your life can significantly boost men's testosterone levels. Um, and then, yeah, you've got, I think one of the easily overlooked aspects of cold exposure is simply just doing something hard. Um, you know, you can stand there at the edge of a cold river or cold lake and you can say like, if I jump in there, it's not going to kill me. It might suck really bad at first. Or you might think it's going to suck. It might be very uncomfortable, but if you kind of command yourself to do it, you control your breath, control your mind and kind of, um, put yourself in that situation and you survive it. And you come out of that situation. Um, you're a lot stronger mentally for it and everything else is just kind of easier, um, after exposing yourself to that. And I think the, the, the one that everybody has a little bit of exposure to is exercise. It acts in a similar way. Um, you know, doing a hard exercise, doing a hard workout in the the endorphins and the feel-good uh, chemicals in your body post doing that difficult thing kind of changes your perspective of everything else and kind of brightens your day. And so it's similar in that way. But yeah, so it's got, you know, mental benefits. It's got performance benefits, physical benefits.
0: Um, and yeah. sleep benefits. Because yeah. one of the things that I started instituting, especially more recently, it was taking a cold shower. So I'm on a different kind of schedule now. Uh, life has just gotten so busy and I started missing a lot of workouts. So today I woke up at five, went to the gym, saunaed, and then took a cold shower just mm-hmm. to wake up, right? So if you if you get in the habit of taking a, a cold shower, if it, even if that's your, your morning protocol, the first thing you do is take a cold shower, you're going to feel more... <laughs> it's going to wake you up man and also yeah. help uh, And it 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 helps with temperature regulation i I'm, I'm not 100% sure of the yeah, science so, on that so the reason
1: why like and i kind of recommend this to people too and in um, i've got some graphics on on sleep and, and improving that but like you're saying if you first thing in the morning if one of the things you do is get in a cold shower get in a cold like Tub or lake or whatever the cold is, even if it's just going outside and it's cold outside and you're going for a walk, mm-hmm. it um, lowers your skin temperature, which increases your core temperature. Yes. And so by increasing your core temperature, it starts to wake up your brain and get you your circadian rhythm kind of synced up with yes. when you wake up and then when you're going to go back to sleep again. So yes. like on the, on the opposite end of that before bed, if you take a hot shower or you jump in the sauna for a little bit, it heats up your skin temperature and it drops your core temperature. And then that starts to get you ready for bed. So those are two kind of nice ones that you can add in there. And Absolutely. I guess while, while we're bringing that up, I um, I can jump on there and, and share a couple more kind of circadian anchors that I was talking about um, on Instagram pretty recently. But one of the biggest ones that I, I have clients and friends and just kind of share with people for sinking your circadian rhythm is getting sunlight first thing in the morning, getting sunlight, middle of the day and getting sunlight before bed. And those kind of acts um, synergistically with getting that cold exposure in the morning. So that starts to increase your body temperature. And so you're kind of sinking your circadian rhythm there. And then as soon as you get out into the sunlight and you get those morning rays from the sun, it tells your cells and your biology when you are in time. And that starts to sink. There's a little kind of clock mechanism in your body and in every cell. And then in the middle of the day, if you get back outside and you get that high noon sun, um, it's another way to boost your testosterone is just getting more sun exposure. Um, and I guess a little side tangent on that. Um, I was looking at some some modern epidemiological information about how much time kids spend in front of screens versus outside now. And it's about four to seven minutes outside a day to seven hours of screen time a day so just just to talk about that middle piece of getting that sunlight in the middle of the day on our skin on our bodies and increasing testosterone and in young men developing children you know so um, and then the last one obviously getting those uh those last rays of sunlight and then watching the actual sunset and that kind of sinks you back in and getting you ready for bed so those are kind of three anchors that I like to to share with people for from a lifestyle perspective but
0: where where are you on um blue light blocking glasses because like the science mm. is super sketchy on i i do it i, <laughs> I, I i'm not doing it now but like sometimes yeah. if i start having issues going to sleep i think i think it works but you know i also believe in a lot of yeah. woo-woo so i just kind of want to get yeah. your take on that So
1: blue light's very important. Um, And and again, if you're, you know, depending on where you're looking for, quote unquote, the science, um, there's a lot of people trying to sell products now. And if there are studies that are promoting that, then that's going to help them sell things. So you always have to, I guess, have a critical eye when you're looking at something that is, uh, can be commodified and sold. If the information that they're giving you is just so you can buy their product. Personally, um, I've played around with them in the past. Personally, I don't use them. And my kind of uh, the protocols that I use or just the the habits that um, uh, our family um, adheres to is we, um, like I said, try and get sunlight in the morning, try and get sunlight in the middle of the day, try and get sunlight at night. But then with screens, you know, having bright lights on in the morning inside your house is also beneficial. Having the light from screens in the morning and through the day is also can be beneficial because those are just more lights, and, and it's totally fine to get those. Um, but then after the sun sets, if you are going to do a little bit more work on your computer or on your phone, um, it's pretty standard. Or you can download apps that dim your screen and change the the spectrum of light that is coming away from them. You can turn them down, and then also um, we shut off all of the house lights after the sun goes down and just put on candles. We've got beeswax candles that we make. We put them on the table in the bathroom and we just kind of do a low light thing. Um, You can try and get most of your work done before the sun goes down. And then also, um, if you view the sunset at night, it actually um, helps you be a little bit more protected against blue light in the evening, messing up your circadian rhythm because it's syncing your circadian clock. And then it's less confused by that other additional input. So... I guess in short, just kind of avoiding it, using built-in apps that you know do the blue light blocking for you, and they do it much more efficiently because they're literally like it's telling the computer to not send that out rather than trusting little glasses on your face, you know, and then light still gets around the corners and stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's yeah. fascinating. So we <laughs> you, you, your, your house is lit by candlelight at night.
1: Yeah. Actually, sitting right next to me right here. So this is this is all beeswax right here. This is like I don't know, like five pounds. We have got a, a bunch of bricks of them over here.
0: Mm-hmm. We
1: we melt them down and make our own candles. Um, so we've got a big stockpile of those. But uh, yeah, um, and all that beeswax is from Prescott Honey Farms. A little shout out to a local apiary here in Oregon. But.
0: Man, that's dude. That's that's pretty wild, man. Like, how how long have you been instituting that protocol? Um, past few years, yeah. Uh, you don't watch you. You're not watching any TV at night, are you?
1: Not really. I mean, occasionally, if um, well, I guess the TV watching has shifted drastically simply because we have a nine month old baby. Yeah. Um, and congratulations. You know, thank you. Um, we're, you know, we're not too keen on screen time for ourselves, and we're definitely not planning on instituting any screen time for him. Um, for the foreseeable future until he's, you know, up and bigger and stuff. Just there's no reason for it. You know, his developing brain, he's got so much going on in the physical world and he doesn't need to be entertained or babysat by screens and what that does to him. So by virtue of that and how um, involved we are with his life, we watch a lot less like Netflix or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, um, typically trying not to do screens too much into the evening. We don't have a TV in the house. The biggest screen we have is my 13-inch MacBook. So you know, we might watch something time to time when he's taking a nap, but
0: other than that, definitely no I... Yeah, yeah. yeah I, that's just kind of as a father. How do you? Because I'm trying to put this into words. Technology obviously has a large role in our society, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm. I'm on your side of the fence when it comes to technology and like young minds. I don't think it's necessarily the best. I think people need to learn how to play. They need to learn how to be in their body and you know coordination all all, all those skills are incredibly important but i but do you also have a fear that like or a better a better question rather is are you going to allow your son to? interact with technology because it is here to stay and you don't necessarily want them to be behind. So how do you plan on walking that line?
1: Oh, totally. Um, for me, it's pretty easy, I guess, in, in practice what I've got going there, but I just wanted to add to, you were saying, you know, the dangers of technology and younger generations. Mm -hmm. Um, I think all of us kind of hit a sweet spot. I was having this conversation earlier with, uh, with somebody else where like the older people are getting blindsided by tech right now because they don't understand the power of it and how like things like Instagram are like controlling that, you know, like, like mm-hmm. sucking their attention. And I've seen this with parents and different people. You'll just see them like so mindlessly zoned in. And then, I mean, you can get that with any demographic, but especially older folks. And then the younger people that grew up with this tech, but then you have like myself, I grew up, didn't have a smartphone until like college. I mean, I was kind of like, I just, I was a little bit behind on that. There were people that got it before me, but I had like a flip razor all through high school. Didn't need anything else. Uh, got a girlfriend out of state, bought a smartphone, went to college, needed it for college, that sort of thing. But Mm -hmm. to answer your question, um, it's kind of, I guess I have a a parenting principle that I think I'm going to apply to most things. And this included is, and also I think it's a misnomer. Maybe there are folks that think that because I'm an ancestral kind of coach, lifestyle and, and all of the above, I, I would shun modern technology or something like that. And that's pretty ridiculous. Um, I, I definitely embrace technology and using it as a tool. Um, but I, I think that we should, um, have more of an appreciation for ancestral wisdom and understanding the environment that forged our genome and our biology and realize that we, are still that primal human living in a very different environment. So like our biology still responds to all the same cues, but we have drastically changed our environment to the, in the past like few minutes of the 24 hours that humans have been on the planet. Like if Mm -hmm. you think about it like that, like it's past few seconds of that, you know, analog clock face that we have shifted everything. So I think that it's important to realize, you know, that, Um, just because we have it doesn't mean it's the best thing ever. And we need to be critical in deciding if something is detrimental, but specifically to your question, I'm absolutely going to teach my kid everything I know about crypto technology, like graphic design. Like I'm, I'm pretty um, savvy in the tech world where like I made my own website. I do photography, graphic art. um, I do a little bit of crypto trading. um, You know, so I, I dabble and I try and stay informed. And I think that keeping like from a, a child, keeping them privy and aware and capable so that they can make their own decisions and they could know why they might want to be averse to something rather than trying to shelter them, you know?
0: Yeah. I, and I agree with you because I, I think you got to use tech as a tool. Yeah. But where people go, where a lot of people go wrong with it is, and this is just from not not personal experience, but just things that I've observed are you know like video games scare the shit out of me like if i have kids i am s- very anti that i i don't i don't i've seen i've lost too many friends to that realm of just playing video games all the time yeah, John, you James,
1: know? Which, way, which way are you agreeing with this
2: um i'm kind of kind of both like yeah. i'm i'm with lauren i think like we hit the sweet spot. Like I, you know, grew up playing in the woods and in the street, playing street hockey and then also playing, you know, Mario Kart or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like, I think, I think there's a lot to, you know, like making, preparing your children for life so that they're not just completely dumbfounded when they see like, you know, a smartphone or something, but also not like, I didn't mean to mic myself, mute myself. Sorry. Um, But also like, I think Rick you're a little crazy like video games aren't that scary like, <laughs> oh, they're here. fine. And I want to hit you. I think like I think learning learning how to like play and then also step away like my parents would let me play uh you know they wouldn't let me play video games literally all day unless it was like maybe a Saturday and it was during the summer yeah. you know or something like totally. but it was like they had to, you had to learn like you know learn self control and then yeah. you know. And so
1: it was kind of like a forbidden fruit thing for you you know like it was something that you weren't allowed to do when you wanted to do it let's say Um, Mm -hmm. but I guess, um, at, um, at risk of stepping on people's toes. So, um, I, I definitely, I played some video games growing up. Um, but I guess I take the stance as an adult, like I'm a grown ass man and there's so much shit to do from self betterment to fostering a family and, you know, projecting myself into the future that like, I don't have time for video games. I need Mm -hmm. to level up my own shit. And there's like so many different side quests in real life. that's
2: kind of where I am I I never have time like I very seldom have time to play video games and like I use video games as like a a form of like relaxing sometimes when I'm like I've got enough brain power that I need to do something want to do something but like not enough that I can like read a book and like really retain the information or something so I'll play like a video game that's like I play a, a, like a city building game that's like yeah. creative, you know, or kind of something like that. I'm yeah. I'm not much one for like shooter games or something. I don't have the attention span to yeah. to do that.
1: Nice, yeah. So your kids no video games,
0: Rick. Um, I'm. I wouldn't. I'm. I'm I'll say this. I wouldn't buy them a console yeah. if they decided that that is something they wanted, and mm-hmm. then you know we could figure out something, I some sort it. of earn like you're gonna earn this i'm not gonna pay for it because yeah. i don't believe in it but if this is yeah, what yeah. you want for your life or not yeah. for your life but if this is what's an activity that you want to engage yeah. in I'll, you know have we'll figure ownership. out a way for you to pay it. yeah have some ownership of it you're yeah, gonna have yeah. to work for me or something you know if it's if it comes to like playing sports or doing whatever like I, dad's got gotcha. you i'm gonna shell out <laughs> some cash but <laughs> yeah, i don't yeah. think i would pay for a console it's just yeah it's too scary i've lost too many friends yeah, dead. yeah, I, <laughs> they're not dead, <laughs> but you know, they're, they're, they're gaming all the time, but you yeah. know, that's well,
1: I, a, recently, I, I, a guy I met here in town. Um, I asked him, he's a, he's a good friend now. I asked him, I was like, do you play video games or watch sports? <laughs> I, I don't do either of those things. And I think it's pretty rare to find men in this world that don't really, I guess, do one of those two things or identify with doing one of those two things. Like I'll enjoy watching some UFC or like sitting down to actually do an activity of something. Um, But to have that be like something you identify yourself as, or something that takes up a large portion of your adult life, I think is.
0: I would agree. I, I am a junkie when it comes to, I don't watch them. Um, Yeah. But if they're, if I'm at a restaurant or something in a, in a games on, I, it's like, it's like, it's like, a junkie that's around a, a big bag of heroin or whatever I'm, i just want to mainline it into my veins i fucking love sports yeah. but it, it to me it's the nfl which is the, my pretty much number one besides ufc it's like three hours and there's multiple games on and i could i would just sit there all day and waste time and i yeah. can't do that anymore i've got i've got too much shit I have to do. I've got this, I've got this podcast run. I got a full-time job. I've got other projects I'm working. I don't have time for it. I wish I did.
1: I guess that's a good tie into like, um, things that aren't necessarily sports and things, but you recognize your shortcoming when it comes to, or the addictiveness of seeing or watching sports. Um, I was having a conversation with a client earlier today and they finally had this little epiphany of a certain food that when they eat that, that it is just like their gateway of like wanting and feeling more munchy into other, other things. Um, and it, it, like, I guess in the food realm, it, it gets a little bit sticky because there's actually food chemists that are constructing and engineering food to be hyper palatable and do that and hijack our biology. Um, so that, that's why one of the things I, I always keep trying and keep all my clients away from is natural flavors, which seems like, you know, it's it's one of those tricky things that most people don't even know to try and avoid that. But short of vegetable oil as an ingredient to avoid, it is like probably the hardest thing to avoid. Um, like most kombuchas that you can buy, natural flavors like every like there's chocolate with natural flavoring in it. Oh, like and and it's a huge problem. Like not even talking about the fact that like natural flavoring has its own issues. The fact that our food doesn't taste good enough? Or that like like what are the, I don't know if systemic's the right word here, but like what are the bigger implications of why we need to put natural flavoring in all of our stuff? Or do we need to, or or do we not need to, and we're doing it simply because we can make things addictive and we can put in byproducts and we can put in other things that cause like long-term issues for people. So that's kind of a big ball of wax that I wasn't planning on opening I up know. i just i mean I, I preach went
0: lauren you, you, <laughs> I think, you did I think you're right i'm gonna i'm gonna mention something and if you say it's bad i'm gonna feel <clears throat> vindicated but also a little pissed off i have a long-held conspiracy theory that i'm addicted to uh fucking sparkling water in the hands okay, so of, of <laughs> we've got, we got a
1: whole rabbit hole to go down
0: um, They're not good. So, they cause cancer. I know it. They have to.
1: Well, oh, I mean, you're drinking plastic for starting. So, I mean, th- th- there's a whole bunch of issues going on here, but microplastics in any aluminum can is, is a completely real thing. Outside of that, it's hard to find any water that doesn't have plastic in it, but you can look up measurable amounts of plastic in a lot of these companies along with the natural flavoring issue. So, yeah, there's a bunch of issues there. And so the addictiveness is probably coming from the hyperpalatability of the natural flavoring themselves. But then also like every time I go like, and I see somebody drinking out of a can, I'm just like, you're drinking plastic. Like we got plastic. Our clothes are made of plastic. Our food has plastic in it. Our food is wrapped in plastic. Our beverages have plastic in there. You know, like it's, it's really hard to get away from. And so rather than getting really, um kind of depressed about the whole situation i'm so
0: fucking upset right now i knew it dude I, i'm loving I knew this
1: it. by the
2: way <laughs> i love i love uh like i do this to rick all the time with politics and with like environmental science and stuff like this that it's like hey here's this horrible feedback cycle no one knew about let's yeah. we're, we're dying yeah but I so let me it's, it's fun, fun to watch from the outside
1: yeah Please. let me let me put a little positive spin on this though because it's easy to get down the rabbit hole of how everything's broken and, and sucks and yeah. killing us Um, Well, on that note, we're all going to die anyway. So, um, to spin it back, um, you know, there are things that we have control over. There are things that we don't have control over. And doing everything perfectly all the time is not possible. And so, getting overwhelmed by thinking that, you know, everything sucks doesn't help us. But taking tangible, consistent, small, simple steps and kind of implementing those into our lives. That makes such a big difference down the road. And it's something that is so simple when you hear it. It's like, yeah, that's obvious. But I think the, the real crux there is that, um, so yeah, it's simple. If you take a positive step and you implement it in your life and you do it daily, that will amount to big things. But on the inverse, if you don't do that, the absence of that is going to be filled with other decisions because you can't do nothing doing nothing is an action. And that accumulates to take you in another direction. So we have people making conscious good decisions to move one way, or conscious or uh, subconscious or conscious decisions to move in a a bad direction. And so one of the, the topics that I brought up recently with some people I was talking with was this idea that to stay in the same place, it requires movement, because time doesn't stand still. In the same way that if you're treading water and you want to stay above water, you have to move. Maybe not a lot, but you have to move a little bit to keep your head above water. So this idea, um, like with physical practice in particular, with if, if you want to maintain your tissue capacities, if you want to maintain your health, if you want to maintain your relationships, um, whatever it is, you need to put in a little bit of effort, at least, if not more effort, to grow and progress in a positive direction. So... Um, don't really know how we got there from the bubbly water. No, the this
0: is this is good. I'm I and mean, you needed to say that because like I'm still processing the bubbly water thing because like that <laughs> dude, that's a bit. I, I don't think so, you Lauren, understand. What's your
2: stance on mineral water?
1: What's that on mineral water? What's your stance cool. on mineral water? Um, so I guess the the way to to deconstruct this from the top to the bottom is there is the best water, mm-hmm. and then there is the worst water, and mm-hmm. then there is what you can get your hands on and what you can mm-hmm. do and also not, um, being paralyzed by the, the information, but being empowered by it. So like mm-hmm. I grew up drinking <laughs> tap water and that has pros and cons, depending on where you're from. Um, it can be much worse, it can be much better. Um, but that was my past. Now I've been educated in different ways. I don't know everything, but I know something and I can make better decisions when I have the power to, mm-hmm. but then if I'm stuck somewhere and I have to drink tap water or some swamp water, like, you know, I can do that. And, yeah. and I can, um, yeah. So I think that education should empower us. It shouldn't paralyze us and it shouldn't make us feel, um, entitled or like better than anybody else. So mm-hmm. back to answer your question about like the best water versus the worst or mineral water, mm-hmm. I think the best water in my opinion would be structured spring water from mm-hmm. the earth. If it's uncontaminated where your people came from. So mm-hmm. if you... You know, transgenerationally, truckload
2: of water from Lithuania.
1: <laughs> so, so transgenerationally, if you grew up on this one piece of land and you, you know, this was your migratory area for your people, and there was water coming from the earth that was structured because it's ancient, mm. um, and it's just coming out of a spring. That would be the best because your uh, microbiome is from there, your bacterial mm. cloud, everything you're sharing molecular energy with that land and with that mm-hmm. water that would be the best obviously everyone's displaced now we've polluted mm-hmm. just about everything we can pollute was, i'm i'm crazy
2: with water i have yeah. one of those uh like two-stage carbon fluoride filter okay. water water filters in a berkey so or I, something I, else uh, yeah it's 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 a great value berkey but yeah. it's, it's literally the same thing yeah, yeah, yeah. um and i drink it like either i have all glass uh I either have like glass pint glasses or I use like a hydro flask.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and people can kind of make fun of being a little bit hyper aware of these things, but water and air are -hmm. the two things. I mean, you can get into like state of mind and thoughts and narratives and that stuff's pretty important too. But, but the air we breathe and the water that we drink is, is is, it takes up a, a huge amount of, you know, like our ability to be healthy because every cell in our body is filled up and made with the water that we drink Mm -hmm. and the air we breathe like if you you know if somebody suffocates you for a couple minutes you're probably going to die like so we usually we need the air but then outside of like needing air we need quality air and that air goes Mm -hmm. into our bodies all through our blood yeah part of the
2: reason I, i moved out to oregon too uh was air quality i used to live in indiana in the midwest and like you could look at the air quality report every day and it would the lowest it would be would be like 70 with fine particulate matter because there was so much industry there yeah
1: yeah um, and I, I feel like I don't know some people became more aware after the fires a couple of years ago here but um, I, I really like the app um, uh, IQ air I think that's mm-hmm. what it is um, and it has like you can scrub on a map and look at the the, the air quality in different places and you can look at the mm-hmm. different um, particles like the, the uh, PM 2.5s. Mm-hmm. different pollutants in the air. Um, yeah. and so we, we've got some pretty nice air filters in our house and we're, we're pretty strict about that too. We will okay. like, I won't go outside and exercise if it's over a certain amount. Yeah. You know? But
0: yeah, really you, you're, I didn't, um, the only time the air has been an issue is definitely when the fires happen, and honestly, like like last week, um, I think there was a fire in Camus, and the, the wind blew down. and that kind of fucked me up, dude. I got sick, my you know it was, yeah. it was awful. Um, <clears throat> as far as water. I'm a tap guy. I drink tap water yep. with ice in it. Haven't been too, yep. too. And a lot of bubblies, which, I, which, you know, I'm still pretty upset about that, but it's, it's, it's something that I knew wasn't good for me. Nothing could taste that good and have <sighs> nothing in it. It did not make sense. I'm glad that you've confirmed my suspicions all along. And I also do want you to send me that information, wherever you fucking got that. You need to email that to me. Right. I need to read right, up I'll, on I it. Dig to stuff.
1: Um, but, uh, I guess to that point, you know, so this with diet culture and nutritional eating, I don't know, the whole, the whole science and, and innovations of it. So you just tried to, you just said drinking something that tasted that good, couldn't have nothing in it. it Why would be. you want to drink something that has nothing in it? Well, like, I mean, you know?
0: <laughs> it's just like, I'm saying I, I, I got really into bubblies cause I'm doing yeah. um, a three, fifty five challenge. Right. So yeah. I get 10 milligan days a year to like drink, to have a cocktail or to get drunk or whatever, however I want to spend thing. them. Yeah. So in order to kind of mitigate my drinking, I would buy, like if I was going to go to a party or a gathering or whatever, I would just get like a bubbly water something like a yeah. LaCroix or a, a, a bubbly. And yeah. uh, I'd, I'd bring a case of that and I'd just drink it as a, like, yeah. you know, socially. And then that kind of led into me going to Costco, Kirkland, and yeah. uh, buying the massive uh, flats of it and living the dream. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I guess a couple of things there. Like one, um, if, if the, the, the binary question was you drinking in excess or having a bubbly water, yeah. the, the option having a bubbly water is probably the better option, right? Right on. Yeah. Good. So like, you know, life is all full of these choices where it's not like you're, you're, we're not necessarily always going for perfect. We're going for the better, Yeah, but then you have to look at the fallout the fallout is you're potentially addicted and spending more money than you should on them and you got them all up in your house and you know they're, they're maybe everywhere. Uh, they're,
0: yeah. no they're everywhere dude i got like <laughs> cases in the garage right now yeah. on yeah. deck i'm not running out are you kidding me <laughs> this isn't a game now <laughs> yeah
1: yeah so yeah and and too you know like i think that people my goal as a coach is to um, empower people to have the education to make the decisions for themselves and that's one of the reasons why I w- like working with adults. I, I work with the full spectrum. I've worked with like um, from zero to the grave, literally. Um, and I really like just working with adults that have enough future ahead of them that they can make a pretty good shift and they could you know, make something different of themselves. And they're old enough to take accountability and ownership for their actions and do what I tell them to do if they want to. Um, but I think that people should be informed and then they should make decisions out of an informed position. Rather than an out of fear or out of not knowing, um, out of ignorance, and we're all like I said at the beginning, like we said, we're all going to die, and everything actually kills us. Not eating food kills you. Eating food kills you, just through the process of metabolism and mm-hmm. creating waste, cellular waste in our body. So everything is t- constructive to some degree. Um, I believe that you know we should choose our abuses and our discomforts. And I think that a lot of times you can choose things that have a lot of net positives. And then actually, um, kind of like uh, John, you were talking about how you know to decompress and to kind of shift your mind from the intellectual side. You like to play video games that are kind of just mm-hmm. no brainers, just kind of creative yeah. outlet. I think that having something that ticks those boxes is paramount, mm-hmm. but maybe there's a better thing that you could choose that mm-hmm. yields more lateral gains in your life that strengthens relationships you know like um mm-hmm. and again it's not just to shit on that activity no. it, you know like i think that we can do that intentionally and dissect our lives i can do that totally and i'm still working in that process of you know mm-hmm. like does this activity check the boxes i want mm-hmm. could it check more could it be better or worse you know and, and mm-hmm. just being deliberate with with what we do because yeah. time is very valuable and limited you know
0: mm-hmm. that's the yeah. one commodity that you know. I don't think people value as much as they should. You you mm-hmm. could ask Warren Buffett he'd give you all of his money if he could be 30 again or 20 again. It's oh, yeah. the one thing that the the the, the richest not well, not the richest man in the world has never bought one second worth of time. Right? Yeah. Back. It just you can't get it back. It's 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 incredible and it's really sad and and I think that, you know, figuring out the best way to utilize your time is probably the most important thing that any of us could do.
1: Well, and all of these free social platforms are harnessing and monetizing our time. And, um, like I, have been, I, I talk to my clients about <clears> this <throat> and I have this own struggles kind of in my own life with like Instagram, for example, is, um, a tool talking about tools and technology. It's a tool that I use and I, I am trying to use better. Um, as of the past couple months for my business. Um, I wanna preface a little bit real fast about kind of how I come to business and value. So like when I started my business, I tried to lay out the life that I wanted and how my business fit into that. And then how my business fits into that, when I do my business, I wanted to create value for other people, like true value, not money. And I wanted to create value for myself not money necessarily, like it has to do the money part, but that's just a lateral gain, but it needs to create actual value for me. So kind of talking to choosing the best thing that ticks the most boxes, there are a lot of jobs that I could do. I I have a lot of different skills, but some of those wouldn't create value for me. Some of those wouldn't create value for other people. They might all make money. But I wanted something that fits into the lifestyle I want, something that creates value for other people, something that creates value for me. Um, And to tie it back into Instagram, so I, I need to really be mindful to use Instagram as a tool as a business owner. But then there are other people on Instagram that I need to communicate with that aren't business owners. So why should they be on Instagram? And I argue that there is a good way for people that aren't business owners to use Instagram to learn and to connect with people that they could never connect with to get an audience or to communicate with people that they could just, you know, we, we would never have that opportunity outside of the social platform, but it takes so much education and intentional, um, an intentional approach to not just get sucked down a line of reels.
0: <laughs> it's, uh, oh my and discipline. Yeah, for
2: sure. Yeah. Rick I, and I have this conversation all the time about how to use social media.
0: Yeah. It's a it's something because it you know trying to grow an audience on the podcast it's like that the the amount of attention to detail and targeted engagement that like we would have to do mm-hmm. almost in a weird way would make for me it would kind of make the show shittier because I, I spend most of my time if we have a, a guest on reading either their book, like I'll actually read their the whole book or, or look into subjects and John's producing. Mm-hmm. And it's like we don't really have the time yeah. to like sit down and, and strategize and like like and I so it's has gotta balance that. It's it's soul <laughs> yeah. sucking. We have to figure um, it out though.
1: Proselytize yourself in that way. And I've I've been working really hard and trying to, so like, I, you know, I've got young family, little kid, my wife works full time. We're both kind of, uh, stay at home parents while working full time and balancing the, you know, leveraging social media as a platform to communicate with people at large and, um, being able to stay present with my family. And in the past couple weeks, I've, I've noticed this actual shift in my mind where like when I'm being so present on social media, Um, even if it's, you know, I'm, I'm trying to reach people and connect and create real value. When I turn that off and go back to my family, I have, there is a serious transition time to be able to be present again. Um, and so thinking about, you know, the youth that grow up and this is, they, they view themselves through social media, through that lens, not even being like, it's not a, a reality for them to switch that off. That is their reality. That's kind of
0: a scary. Thing. That is a scary thing, um, and I do want to. I, I want to stay on this, but I also want to move on to, to kind of mm-hmm. diet. But I, I, it's it's terrifying because there's so much. It's a, social media to me is a giant lie. So many people, just they project <laughs> the best versions of themselves or like it's you you can curate your own life
1: it you don't you, misnomers exactly to a huge degree um like and i think everybody kind of has felt this and understands this but um having just uh, my wife just had a kid recently the um the area one of the areas that's very detrimental i think is um all of the cultural narratives and sayings and statements around like, uh, postpartum bouncing back, getting your body back, going straight back to exercise, um, and, and showing off, like you said, the glamour moments, the things that are your life's highlight reel that might not even be real. Like it might be contrived moments that aren't even, you know, your best moments. And then people, and it's, it's the human condition, I believe to believe that, like we all know it's bullshit but it's you're seeing it nonstop so your subconscious starts to think that it is real and that you're the only one that is maybe struggling with x y and z even though like i think most people know what you just said that you know they're just posting their best moments blah 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 but like there's a root like thought that's deep down that is like really kind of thinks you're still the only one and everyone else is just having a banging time
0: yeah 100% and then also the algorithms too like i i i can't stand them i i miss being able if you look at like a bodybuilder or whatever like that's all you're going to see pretty much when you go and explore yeah. it's like i really like to kind of bounce around um that's yeah. that's a, a an interesting conversation to have is i don't i if the biggest issue i have with social media is it's taken away surfing the internet. There's a lot of cool shit on the web. Yeah, like yeah. If you just Google searching around, surfing, that you yeah. go to Instagram, I think the majority of people nowadays go to Facebook, Instagram, or Reddit, and that's yeah. it. That's really cool. all they utilize the web for, maybe to do a quick lookup, but not really to just actually yeah. surf around. I remember, and I've started to do that now, and, and I've found some pretty cool shit.
1: Well, you can't use it like a library. And, and this is with the introduction of AI to internet and to all of these social platforms, it, it targets what has grabbed your attention. And so you can't walk, back, like in a library, you can walk past the cover, and you can be like, oh, whoa, that's kind of catchy. And you look at it and you're like, all right, that's great. And you can move on to the next section. Mm-hmm. But on any social platform with AI, seeing what caught your attention, it will, like like a Hogwarts room, like shift the library and put new books down there, and you're just going to be saying the same thing, and it's going to slowly warp and get more and more narrow into yeah. the thing that catches your attention the most, and so it really is this kind of attention funnel, and that's kind of tying back into Instagram has the potential to be an amazing platform for connection, value, and business, but... Because of the introduction of of selling marketing and ad space and using AI to target people's attention, it is um, pulling away from that and making it really hard to use genuinely. And then, if you want to use it as a tool, you have to be really tricky and you have to really devote like way more time than is natural.
0: Yeah. 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 There's definitely a way. Now, wh- another thing I wanted to talk to you about was this kind of diet like where do you kind of stack up because i've been i've been tricked i've, I've gone keto I, I had a great time mm-hmm. doing that <clears throat> and then more recently i find myself being attracted to the things that paul saladino is saying Who's like carnivore 2.0 where it's like i'm only eating meat and then i'm gonna eat some fresh fruit and that's it I, I don't think that that's i like vegetables so that's not mm-hmm. that's not a that's not going to work for me, but I am, I want to try it. So I wonder where do you kind of stack up um, when it comes to your diet?
1: Yeah. Um, so I've, I've kind of refined the the information that I have gleaned over the past decade into um, two very simple nutritional graphics that I have. Um, we didn't, t- I haven't talked about it much on here, but the pulse program is kind of uh, my, social media exit strategy. And it'll be fun to talk about that a little bit here in a bit. But basically, um, where I stand on that is, you know, taking an ancestral lens, looking at what is, I guess, to even simplify it even more, I tend to eat for nutrients, primarily. And then by virtue of biology and things tasting good, and the way that we've evolved, like, Things that are nutrient dense taste good. So you you said you like vegetables. You like the butter on the vegetables. You like the you know like the, the sugars in there. You like like those sorts of things. Like if you just take an unprocessed vegetable, it's not going to taste good. You, you like there's a, there's not a whole lot of vegetables that you can just eat raw and they're going to be as delicious as if you grill them and cover them in butter and salt. Um, but and then a quick aside to that. All of the vegetables we have available to us now were not the vegetables that were around pre, like tomfoolery and like kind of Franken food status. They're stuff.
0: they're all they're all genetically mod- modified organisms. Well, selectively
1: the, selectively bred, and some of them genetically modified. Um, I have a book on the shelf in the other room called um, "Eating on the Wild Side," and it is a book that is um, it's really brilliant the way that it was written, um, it's each chapter is devoted to a different group of vegetable or fruit. So like alliums would be a, a chapter. uh um, like nightshades. I mean, garlic. Uh, yeah, and like nightshades might be a chapter. but Or like berries. Like there's one on, on greens and it goes uh, uh, like wild greens to iceberg lettuce. Uh, but what it does is it tracks the lineage of the original ancestor of a food and everything that has been done to that food to present and the references in the back of this book are like a third of the book, and like they even this lady even pulls from like uh, like Pilgrim's Journals uh, like about corn and like she's so well sourced, um, and it's it's really amazing read. Corn probably has the craziest history, dude. Um, I even know corn with like a like a, a an atomic bomb. Like <laughs> <laughs> we radiated <laughs> shit out of that. We we've done so many things to our to our food. So I guess. um back to like what I do. Um, there's a lot of nuance to it, but in short, I, I'm not dogmatic with my diet. I understand that nutrients is the most important part first. Um, cause there are a lot of people that are starving on a nutrient level. Um, like there are an excess of calories, but there is so few nutrients floating around. Um, and I think if I could share like one tidbit about nutrition to people, I would say that understanding that um, animal sources of food are the most nutrient dense, I especially like, their
0: internal organs as well. Well, I the mean, organs. even just the
1: meat, like you know, and all of it. Like it is so far superior now to any vegetable that you could ever buy in the grocery store. And there's a lot of reasons that too. Um, you know, because if if you look at a vegetable and, and this isn't just like a, a carnivore rant or anything. I'm by no means a carnivore. Um, I, I eat a, a whole assortment of things, but, uh, like if you take any vegetable in the grocery store, one, it is only as nutrient rich as the soil that it was grown in one. That's step one. Okay. Um, it is most likely covered in all sorts of pesticides. If it is not organic and if it is organic. There's a whole host of pesticides that are organic certified, so I don't really know the nuances there. Um, on top of that, plants have or, uh, in, uh, internal defense mechanisms and internal pesticides to keep pests off of them while they're being eaten. And if they're not prepared or processed correctly, those can wreak havoc on our own biology. So. And then, if you introduce that into an environment where you already have gut issues, you've got man made pesticides, plant made pesticides. It's basically like toxic cardboard at worst or just cardboard at best, coming from a grocery store. That's different than if you're sourcing locally grown, organic, nutrient dense, like fortified soil. Like that's going to be better because it's picked at like chief ripeness, but still, hands down. If you go kill a goat and eat it, that is going to have way more nutrients in every capacity that you could ever imagine from any plant. So I think that's the first myth. It doesn't mean don't eat vegetables. It just means understand where your nutrients are coming from. And then that can orient you. And then I would say um, if there are two things that I would have people avoid, vegetable oil and natural flavoring
0: seed oil man it's the devil it's so used as lubricant man it was used for lubricant engines
1: machining yeah machine lubricant i i wanted to make a meme I, I still i'm gonna make it i gotta find a good picture for it i want to make a meme that's like when you find out like you go to your homie's house and you find out they still cook with vegetable oil oh. <laughs> I, shoot me some good pictures if you if you'd seen do you that.
2: include do you include olive oil in that
1: So, um, there's a hierarchy and I, and I've got this all broken down on my graphic for my, my clients. Mm -hmm. Um, but so olive oil and coconut oil and avocado oil. So those Mm -hmm. are all fruit oils, Mm -hmm. true olive oil from like organic, fresh olives and pressed Mm -hmm. and cold pressed. So it's not oxidized Stored in glass, Mm -hmm. not plastic, um, not cut with vegetable oils, not transported across the planet has unique, amazing benefits and it can be a great thing to eat. Same with coconut oil. Like it's a damn near miracle product, but we live in the Pacific Northwest. Do you see any coconut trees growing around?
2: Here? I have a lot of palm trees, but no coconut. Yeah.
1: So you, there's the, the ethical implications of where those things are coming from, but mm-hmm. strictly from like a, like a vanity standpoint and a health standpoint, um, Coconut oil, for example, is often, um, aside from the ethics, it's it's like washed with lye, bleached back white, stored in plastic, yes. rancid. So that's even the organic stuff sometimes. So there's that problem with coconut oil. With olive oil, a lot of times it's heated to a high heat. Mm-hmm. It's stored in plastic, so it's back to the plastic world. It's cut with other s- vegetable oils, yeah, soy oil. That's soy a huge oil. problem. Mm-hmm. That's a um, huge honey- problem. Like honey is cut with corn syrup these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and rice so, syrup too. So I guess what I tell people is like one: if I get tallow or lard from my local butcher or my local farmer, mm. it traveled 20 miles. I know exactly what's in it. I can render it down and put it in glass. Why would I source a subpar product that could be like offending my body in a lot of different ways? and the workers on the property and like you know so i would definitely say and i still use this on my graphic for a gateway is transition to coconut oil even if it's Mm -hmm. shitty coconut oil that's going to be better than eating shitty vegetable oil so transition to coconut oil transition to butter transition to olive oil transition to avocado oil but that's the baby step that's the first move then get on tallow (laughs) that's just (laughs) like like, full stop. Like, I, for the past, like, it's been three coming on four years that I've exclusively cooked with lard and tallow that I'm I've on, rendered
0: I'm on the butter train. I'm on the yeah. Kerrygold Gold butter. That's, mm-hmm. that's where and, I'm at.
1: There was a whole tobacco with carry gold not being grass-fed and yada, oh, yada, fuck, yada. Oh, fuck,
0: man. Really? Come on, <laughs> dude. It's corporate. Once of course you get big,
1: yeah. <laughs> Once you get big, you got to cut margins. And that kind of, I guess, dovetailing back into my own little plug on my exit strategy and the Pulse program and stuff, like, I have no plans of getting big to the point of, like, 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 um, <laughs> profits for the sake of profits. Like, I know where my value cap and my quality cap is and I know kind of what I want out of my time and bandwidth. And so that's kind of what I was getting at with my, I have this theorized somewhat social media exit strategy with this program that I've designed that's really a relationship that I'm building with a select group of people. And the value is going to continue to rise as I check out of social media and dump back into these individuals. But I um, I have kind of a four tier system with it. Um, and it's it seems really esoteric and Instagram is a place that you blurb for 15 seconds and nobody really understands what you just said. Like the, the, the challenge, the ice bath challenge that I had, I I have like two frames and a couple words that explain the two rules and almost nobody got the second rule. (laughs) So like, it's a really hard platform to connect with people genuinely, but I guess, um, in short, like what I've tried to make with the Pulse program is I've got the training components from flexibility, strength, skill, joint work. Um, I've got the resources from the sleep work, the nutritional work. I've got the um, extra auxiliary work that, um, like if people want specific skills like ring muscle ups, they want to get their first chin up, they want to do parkour skills. We've got a, like a library with that kind of stuff. And that's kind of ever expanding in the direction of interest of the clients. But what I originally, I was just like, oh, I'm just going to try and, you know, keep going and get as many people as I can. But then I realized that, um, like, there's a point of diminishing returns. And so I, I created the first tier is the early adopters, the people that are already in there. And then I capped that off and I'm going to let a few more people in mid-November. And I've already got kind of a wait list coming where people I'm kind of interviewing them, per se, and getting a little bit of information and seeing if they're a good fit for it. And then I'm going to let those people in in mid-November, and then I'm closing it off again. And there's only going to be two more tiers, and they're going to be in 2023. So a little bit different structure, and the price point goes up every tier. So the cheapest time to get in is right now, and then it goes up a little bit, and it goes up a little bit. And the final price for the fourth tier is still pennies on the dollar for value, and Obviously anybody that's listened to me for any length of time realizes that I don't think value equals money. You know. Um money is a tool, just like everything else we've been talking about. But even if you were looking at it from like a, a one equals one standpoint, still super cheap for what it is. And the, kind of the relationship that I'm planning on building with these people, you know.
0: And I and I'm doing it. I just wanna let you guys. Yeah, I didn't know
1: we want to throw anyone on uh, the bus, but uh, both you guys are we're doing on your way.
0: Yeah. We, mm-hmm. we have a lot of work to do uh, for sure. I've there's, but I will say any of the knee stuff, cause I'm obsessed. Um, and I've done one of the knee workouts and it's mm-hmm. a lot of like, well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's awful. I suck at it. It's very <laughs> well, uncomfortable, but it's good. That's it's you're using, yeah. I'm using the, my knees in, um, in a different, I, I, I do not even so know I guess, in uh, the actual way yeah, they're in. I mean, yeah.
1: your, your viewers probably already know this, but I'll preface for your viewers real quick. <laughs> Rick can squat a shit ton of weight with two legs on the ground. Yeah. But a lot of the work that I do in the program is focusing on one leg at a time. Mm-hmm. And so we do do squatting and we do do some deadlifting and stuff from time to time. But I think that building up your capacity to utilize one leg yeah. makes both legs have the ability to work independently yeah. And you can be more intelligent on one leg or the other. Yep. And each mm-hmm. joint has to carry the the workload the joint is supposed to. So your ankle has to work like an ankle. Mm-hmm. Your knee has to work like a knee. Your hip has to work like a hip. Yep. Um, and like I was working with an older client, I still do clients in person, um, the other day and we were just working on single leg squats off a chair and like, and we were doing it on kind of a squishy surface. So there's a lot of balance required and a little bit of mm-hmm. stability. And it's like, like a single leg squat from the floor. So sitting on the floor, one leg's off the ground, one leg sucks up by your butt, and you should stand up. I can't do that. That is impressive to people. It shouldn't be. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> I can't do it,
1: that. Um, the, I've met people in their 60s can easily do a body weight because it is relative to your body weight. Mm-hmm. So building up that capacity and then going over to squatting heavy, like, you know, wow. Working with adults, we all have history and baggage and you can't start over. So I think um, even if you don't achieve a full pistol squat from a balance standpoint, because you obviously have the strength in one leg to lift your body, but you can't get stacked and you can't get over that leg. So even if you spend time improving that single leg capability and you improve it 10%, your two leg squatting ability will increase, yep. and everything. There, there's so many lateral gains to that. Procedure.
0: So the, the the toughest part for me in in getting engaged, is like I'm gonna like after doing that one leg like knee workout, it was pretty evident that I I need you to coach, and I like to just do my. Right. So it's gonna it's time consuming but it's mm-hmm. it's very necessary for me to do this very evident because yeah. there's just a lot of shit I was like this it's the movements are so bizarre to me because I'm not yeah. you know what i mean so it's it's a bit of a learning curve and and that's yeah. the great thing i love about the pulse program is is i can video myself you will write me back pretty fucking mm-hmm. quickly telling me what i'm doing wrong and also just like the encouragement and um, the fact that, but but John John John, you're doing it as well, correct? Yeah. yeah so yeah. we need to have a competition and put some money on this because, like, we need to make <laughs> oh, sure. Because I know you're missing workouts, motherfucker. I know well, I well, am. Oh, oh yeah. I still need to. I'm working. A I'm working. Test.
2: Yeah. Okay. okay. I'm working on mine. I'm I'm getting back in shape. I had yep. like, I mean, I've talked about it a ton on the show. I like, I had sure. COVID a few years ago, and yeah. Um, between that and then mental health struggles, right. um, it's been difficult to kind of get myself back in a groove, but I feel like I've kind of broken through, um, that, the wall that I was kind of, I was at that now it's like my diet isn't difficult to do anymore. Getting myself motivated to work out is not hard and actually doing the workout is pretty
1: easy. Well, to that end, I just wanted to bring it real quick. So, um, there's obviously the physical component to like mm-hmm. in your week, you've got your flexibility sessions that I try and keep pretty mm-hmm. short. You've got your joint work, you've got your strength work, some skill, blah, blah, blah. That is important. And for some people like a uh, competitive motivation is helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, is as I long like as that. it is helpful to you. But to, to the point that like I, I genuinely develop like pretty amazing relationships with everybody that I allow into the pulse program. And yeah. It it is a two way street like any relationship. Like Rick was saying. Mm-hmm. You know, like you didn't like filming yourself, but if you get a tiny little tripod, you film yourself, we communicate, you're gonna fix your shit and you're gonna do it faster. Um, but to Don't don't
2: try to get him to buy stuff like I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm, I'm gonna
1: do it. <laughs> that and John, you know, like talking about like your past, your struggles with, you know, um, mm-hmm. all of these different things. I mm-hmm. I I am a lifestyle coach and I do work with people on a lot of different things outside of the physical and just mm-hmm. one of um one of the clients in the pulse program that's been in there for a long time um he just uh, I, i've been helping him kind of with <laughs> it sounds funny to talk about with public speaking um mm-hmm. and he yeah i mean i'm i'm right there with him where i hate seeing my face on a screen and talking to it <laughs> like i my, my like I'm doing pretty good today, but my Rick doesn't brain, have that problem. My, my brain goes kind of blank when I get into that situation. Whereas, like if I'm mm-hmm. in an actual situation having a conversation in person, I just feel supernatural doing that with strangers mm-hmm. and people I know. But um, just to kind of to wrap that point up, you know, like I love helping people with all dimensions of their life, not just like if you try and divorce the physical from the mental. Spiritual, you know, relationships—like it's all intertwined—and and and modern culture has tried to archetype the the bookworm, the the jock, like all of these kind of things. it's, It's total bullshit to separate those. And you know, the the philosophers, like Greek philosophers, were so on point. We still quote them today. Everyone, like you know, talks about that. But those were people that had physical practices. That were very intellectual, and the two spur the, spur on each other. You know, like the more mm-hmm. physically capable you are, the better your brain works,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then the better your brain works, the more you can work your physical body. Like in, in, I took up jujitsu recently, and that's a perfect example. Like fighting and grappling, and like the metaphor mm-hmm. of grappling with a problem intellectually. Like mm-hmm. when you do jujitsu, you're literally trying to intellectually chess. Move your way through a physical situation.
2: Yeah. Mm. I did, I did taekwondo for a while and I'd love to do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, I did do when I was in uh college, I took several pack classes that were uh tai chi. Yeah. And that was really nice. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah.
0: It, J- Josh Waitzkin, you should read his book, The Art of Learning. Uh, John, if you get a chance, it's a fantastic mm-hmm. book. But okay. Lauren, um, I want to be respectful of your time. So tell people, you know, how can they find out more about the Pulse program and how yeah. how do you join, what's your socials, all that good stuff?
1: Yeah, um, so I keep it simple. It's humanwild.co is both the website and the Instagram. It's .co humanwild.co. Um, on both of those, there is um, a little application button. So like if you go to the online training on my website, it shows you the tiers and the price points. The, the one in November is the only one open this year. There's a few spots. It's going to sell out here by November 15th. Um, and then the other two tiers are both more expensive and they won't open up until sometime in 2023. But basically what I'm doing right now is I'm booking free calls with people. I want to connect with you, learn a little bit more about your life. And then if you think you're a good fit and I think you're a good fit, we can get you on the list for this first one. But there is only um, a few more spots left. I've got uh, a decent little list of people that I think are pretty interested. So um, yeah, humanwild.co. There's an application for a free call on my Instagram bio on the website. Um, if you reach out to any of those platforms, though, I don't have any secretaries. It all goes to me. So, (laughs) um, pretty easy to get in touch with me if you got Instagram.
0: Perfect. Perfect. You heard it here for first folks, uh, go, go check it out, join the pulse. And, um, you know what, if you, if you're, if you think you're game for it, let's get in a a competition. We'll see who misses the most workouts. It's not going to be me.
1: I I think this is the way I'd like to frame it. Um, I think you should pick specific metrics. That's a within good idea. It, and then you guys can decide whether or not you want to go off and riff off that.
0: You know. I like that. That'd that's be fair. Yeah. Mine'll, so, be at so, mine'll be the knees. Mine will be the knees. So rather
1: than just consistency on arbitrary workouts, because everyone needs different things, but you know, like um, a certain metric on the test or a specific mm-hmm. exercise or workout, like one of the joint routines, like how who can be more consistent with your daily cars? You I know? think that's fair. Like, I've yeah. been
2: hitting them every day for yeah. the last week. Yeah, oh, yeah.
1: Shit, I need to get. I him know. Out. Rick is not. No, no, no <laughs> I got to remember. Next day,
2: they remember to mark my workouts. So that's my thing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> in closing, I just want to tell people because it is—it's it's called Pulse Program, but I—I I don't want that to just conjure like a pro, like a PDF program that some schmuck on the internet sells you, and it's supposed to be like a workout. Like it really is and It's it's like basically the price of a cup of coffee a day. Investing in your physical practice journey. Mm -hmm. and i'm investing and dumping my time into you and learning about you and helping you you know get better at the things you need to get better at because um rick needs better hips and knees you know john needs something else you know so like everybody probably hips and knees too yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so you know we we all got our things that we need to work on and when you go through the intake tests i can help you interpret that and we can focus and prioritize And, and even as much as 10 deliberate minutes a day on something that you need Mm -hmm. is going to start moving the needle in the right direction versus not doing that 10 minutes. Yep. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And and so it's not an all or nothing thing. Like um, some people get discouraged if they see like,
2: you hear that Rick, it's not all or nothing.
1: (laughs) Some people see like everything there is to get done and they're like, Oh, I'm not doing it all. So I'm going to can it. But I I've told some of the people I've been on calls with lately, there's this metaphor that I, I thought of thinking back to my, Dysfunctional eating childhood patterns is um, I go to an all you can eat Chinese buffet, and if I didn't leave hating myself, I felt like I wasn't getting my money's worth. (laughs) But it it doesn't matter how much the all you can eat Chinese buffet costs, if I leave completely sated and getting what I need, then I got my money's worth. And so, this is obviously what it is. I bet
2: you just destroyed Golden
0: Corral.
1: yeah but yeah you know so it's some stuff there
0: <laughs> well listen man thanks so much for coming on it's always a pleasure um I'm, yeah, I'm looking yeah I'm looking forward to the future um and uh you know thanks for things were including John and I and the Paul dude it means a lot mm-hmm. and uh it looks like I got my work to do I'm behind John so and also folks <laughs> Some people write in and are asking how you can support the channel. The best way is to like and subscribe. Um, go ahead and follow us on Instagram, Rick's Mind. Add, add Rick's Mind and uh, Rick's Mind Clip Channel. Subscribe to that as well. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.